This is the Comedy Kiosk podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Hello and welcome to the Comedy Kiosk, a podcast in which we discuss news, opinions, and ideas about comedy. My name is Igor Monday. And I'm David Minos. And today we decided to talk about a topic that is very relatable, I think, to any comedian that's done live shows in a room full of audience. When the show doesn't go well, when the show doesn't work, and we're not talking about one comedian maybe coming with a new unpolished raw set or just bombing or something, but I'm talking about the whole show, when the vibe is just off, when it just doesn't go well and so on. Who's to blame? Is it our fault or is it your fault? When I say your fault, I mean the audience, of course, the the people who came for the show. So how can we actually distinguish basically who made a mistake, what was wrong, what was what are the factors that contribute to the success of the show? So yeah. uh, let's start with some of the shows that two of us have hosted, because I think as a host, you have the best maybe understanding and best overview of the whole uh, show as such, of the lineup of the comics, the audience, the other factors, maybe, I don't know, the temperature of the room, availability of oxygen, <laughs> I don't know, these kind of things, the, the, the volume of the microphone, all these kind of things. So both of us, we regularly host shows here yeah. in Moscow where we are stationed. We also hosted shows when we traveled and in different places, in different cities, even in different countries. And of course, rooms are different, people are different, the clubs are different, stages different, and so on. So out of the shows you've hosted, David, when the show overall just wasn't good, you just never hit that right, you know, note, that mm. right, I don't know, string to, to get the people going and to have that amazing like atmosphere that energizes everyone and so on. What do you think? What was what went wrong? Well, the first thing um, the listener needs to understand is that the scene for us here in Moscow is a little bit different than, for example, if you're listening in in America or Britain, right? Because if you're in America or Britain, your audience is pretty much going to be all native speakers, maybe one or two tourists or whatever. For us, it's sort of different. So a factor is the fact that. <laughs> the factor is, a factor is the fact that sometimes our audience doesn't know English that well. Yeah, it's uh, very possible that people simply don't understand us. Yeah. Like, there is a huge possibility of that, first of all. Yeah, so that there's always that risk. The thing is, an interesting point is that I think our opinion on how to deal with that issue for us has changed over time. I remember in the beginning... Uh, it was a lot more, we had, we were simplifying our speech, we slowed down a lot more, I think. But then we started kind of going more into the mentality of, we didn't want to censor ourselves, like, or, or warp what we wanted to say that much. So we started, I think quite a lot of us started kind of keeping to what we originally intended to say. And it was sort of like, well, the audience either keeps up or doesn't. Now, I'm not saying we go full tilt, like we don't go complete, like, you know, there are some things we still simplify, whatever, but we tend to not try not to compromise. That's what I'm looking for. Try not to compromise our 
our stuff as much as we used to. But I think sometimes then, yeah, we could end up with some people being left behind. And if it turns out the majority of our audience are only of a middle level of English, it can leave them behind. Now, another factor I noticed is sometimes it's me. I have gone up on stage and I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm just really not fully into the mojo that day. Like I, I just not that comfortable. And that can be a factor. And for example, my wife pointed out that I have like two modes when I'm hosting a show. One mode is the usual energetic, bouncy sort of, you know, showmanship sort of style, kind of over the top. The other one is more of a relaxed, chilled, kind of like everything is all right, this is a safe place sort of attitude with a little bit of cheek in it. And she says sometimes when I'm obviously meant to be maybe, maybe I want I should be the more relaxed version, but I'm trying to pump it up because I'm like, this needs to be, my heart doesn't seem to be in it. And she's like, it feels a little off for her. I still get people coming after me, uh, uh, coming up to me later on saying, oh my God, you're amazing. Yeah, people coming question. after you? Uh, yeah, how, yeah. How Assassins. bad were you on stage that people Assassins. come after you? They're like, eliminate the, <laughs> the threat. Yeah, exactly. Well, pretty bad, pretty bad to be honest. So that can be a factor. It's, it's just me in that regard. Another factor can be when... I don't know. I think the problem sometimes that we have, and, and I think it's also because we, we aren't all great experienced comedians, but sometimes maybe we're not doing the material that's right for the crowd. That could be another factor where instead of re being able to, maybe when we don't have the skill where we're not really, sometimes we can read the crowd really well, sometimes we can't. And, you know, you have to know, like, for example, I've seen comedians get up there with some material and you just think, yeah, this is not the crowd for that kind of material. But the problem is that we've set in our mind, I want to do this material tonight. I've worked on new bits. I've done this. And it could be circumstance where you're almost like, oh, but I already worked on this bit. I already did this bit last week. And it would be great for this night as well. But I see some of the familiar faces. I can't, I don't want to do that again. I don't, I don't want to risk that. So you do new material. Maybe your new material is not really perfect. Or you tried some old material that you haven't done in a while. So it's a bit rusty. So I think all these factors could be in and which that comes in part of the scene that we have is that we only have a couple of venues to perform at. So we're kind of limited sometimes. And yeah, I, I think for more context of uh, our specific situation, but I wouldn't say that it's a unique situation because mm. I think in places where English is not a native language and there is an English speaking mm. scene and the places I've been to, I've seen very, very, very common factors and common situations all around the place so wherever there is some kind of english open mic showcases like headliner shows and so on in a non-native speaking country some challenges and some parallels can be drawn that are exactly the same so to get a bit more context on our situation here in moscow in russia you can refer to episodes where we talk about building a scene building a stand-up scene that's the title of the episode language in comedy talking yeah. about how yeah. is it to perform in a non-native language for us and in a non-native language for the audience. Yep. And I think we also mentioned this in our episode on the road when we talk about going to smaller Russian cities where the audience is 100% just Russians yeah. who are, let's say, students of English or members of some English-speaking clubs or something like this. But the real question that we wanted to ask in this episode, I think, is actually who carries the biggest part of responsibility mm. for making the show work or doesn't work. And as I see it, and all these factors that I mentioned a few minutes ago, even like the, the, the temperature of the room can, of course, be an 
factor that can influence the comfort of the audience, comfort of the comedian yeah. or anything like this. And uh, we've done a few shows, not a few shows, like we've done many shows in a few venues that were, for example, most of our venues are underground. So mm-hmm. I think out of maybe 40 different, 50 different venues I performed in, in Moscow only, I performed in more than 30 different venues. And I think, let's say 90% of them were in a basement. Yeah. So that's the usual setup. Why is that? Is it, is it just, it has to be in a basement. It's not a comedy club unless it is in a basement where we can then put blindfold on you and Hessian bag and get rid of you if joke is bad. I think there might be a factor of that, like you can be eliminated without any suspicion if you are in the basement already. But I mean, it's also kind of, it has more of that kind of vibe and so on, the brick walls, the kind of cellar. uh, (laughs) So basically, it's like someone is trying to find a venue and uh, they're going through a building and it's like plaster wall, damn it, plaster wall, damn it. Carpet on the wall, Ugh. keep going, keep going until, ah, brick wall, where is it? In the basement, damn it. All right, fine. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. It so, has to be in the basement. It's the only one with the brick wall. But it's also the basement thing is a good thing. And I'll tell you why. Because here in Moscow, especially during kind of spring, summer and early autumn, we have daylight up until like 9, 10 p.m. Yeah. So many shows that we had in venues that were like ground floor, Basically, you start the show at nine and it's still kind of sunny and bright. Yeah. And it's just not right atmosphere for stand up. You know, you want people to drink. You want to be like this. The only light should be the light on stage on the comedian and so on. But no, it's like beautiful, bright day outside. And people kind of look through the window and think, I could be in a park right now, not on this shit show. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really, that's why basements sometimes actually help because you kind of, you enter that basement and you forget that it's a beautiful, warm, nice day outside. You're now in this atmosphere of this club, of this room. But yeah, so such kind of small factors like brightness or temperature and so on can definitely influence, but I'm not sure that they can decide the mm. course of the show. So I would divide it like this. I would say host is a major factor. Yeah. Lineup, the comics themselves or comic, if it's some kind of headliner show or whatever, yeah. uh, and then the audience. Yeah. And this is, uh, uh, let's kind of discuss what do we, f- from experience and from opinion, where do we f- feel that the biggest share of responsibility falls on which kind of category of these three? Because in my opinion, and I agree with you 100%, I just, there's times when I go up on stage, especially as a host, where I just kind of feel it. Like, yeah. I feel like up to it. I feel like I want to host. I feel like the energy. I feel pumped. I feel like, you know, thrilled to be there. I feel like I have some enthusiasm, some energy, something to say. And I just kind of spread this charisma and energy across the room. <laughs> People pick it up and they enjoy it as well. Yeah. Sometimes I just, like, I'm neutral. So mm. if the audience gives me energy, I get energized and I kind of ride this wave Mm. but sometimes i'm also i remember a couple of times i just didn't feel well for example i hosted a show just yesterday and i had had terrible stomachache during the whole day i think i had some kind of food poisoning or something and i just didn't feel well you know and i think that's as a host if there is a host of the show who is kind of let's say the the one that welcomes people the one that you know people relate to the one that should spread that good energy and good vibe if you don't feel it then it's really hard to fake it and people immediately yeah. feel it yeah. so in that kind of case i would say that it depends on the host it when i was a performer doesn't matter opener warm-up headliner whatever kind of my role was in that show i feel that also determines the course of the show yeah. but 
as you mentioned here, we also have a very, very specific situation with the audience. And I would be lying if I didn't say that sometimes we had shows where no matter what you did, yeah. like I've, I've done jokes that I've done everywhere I performed. And I performed in uh, 14 different countries uh, for kind of different formats of the show, paid shows, uh, showcases, whatever. And these are jokes that work. That's yeah. that's nothing. No other word I can use to describe them. They work. They get laughs every time. There were shows, especially here in Moscow, when I do that exact joke in that exact way with that exact energy and whatever. So it's not, you know, I didn't like half-ass it or something. Yeah. I really put my give my best, and it still gets a few chuckles. Yeah, because people either don't understand it depending on their level of English, or they just don't, what we have also in addition to audiences who don't understand English, we occasionally have audiences who don't, don't understand stand-up. Yeah, yeah, it's a cultural thing sometimes as well, can also be an issue, like, I'm, like we were discussing before, like the last couple of shows that we've each had, it seems to be kind of a little bit stagnant, I don't know how to put it, it's hard to really get them warmed up in a sense, and and it kind of reminded me from our first shows when we first started and it was really like stand-up was actually kind of a new thing and you would get up and they'd be sitting there like okay this is kind of new i'll just sit quietly and just just watch i'll just watch and listen and that's it and then i'll do nothing i'll respectfully watch i'll never take my attention away i'll focus show is over Okay, and then I'll go up to the comedian and tell him that it was absolutely brilliant and I loved the experience without once actually showing any emotion or any feelings to the comedian until the very end, who is now going to look at me and wonder why the fuck I didn't just laugh at least once yeah. throughout his entire set. I remember that exact example a couple of weeks ago. There was a person and I was hosting the show and every comedian, we had six comics, it was a kind of selected comedians night and every comic that came off the stage told me exactly the same thing did you see the angry girl in the front row <laughs> and there was a girl in the front row who just sat with her arms crossed yeah and angry kind of resting bitch face during the whole show yeah. and after the show it was a group of three friends one of them was that person the other two like smiled chuckled even laughed at points and uh, i was i was uh, standing near the door kind of thanking people for coming to the show and so on and they came up to me and that girl like she said oh my god that was really funny i really enjoyed it <laughs> and you were like i want to kill you now yeah it's just <laughs> i think some people just you know you they're hard to read yeah but when you have such a person in the front row yeah. and you kind of make direct eye contact and someone looks like legitimately angry at you, yeah. then it's a little bit off-putting. But I mean, the thing is, I think what you described this example of a, of an audience member, it's very relevant for our situation here because I think what we had in the very beginning, mm -hmm. like uh, five six years ago when we only started with English comedy, is very similar to what we have now. We attract people who see something new, something interesting, and they want to come and experience it. Yeah. But they're not 100% sure what they are experiencing. So yeah. what is... They it's don't a new understand thing the, for them. Yeah, they don't understand the culture of stand-up. And even mm -hmm. when we have people who are, are regulars or who know what stand-up is, uh, some kind of foreigners from countries where stand-up is a, is a proper, legit form of entertainment. Again, mm -hmm. uh, States, Canada, Britain, Australia, doesn't matter, or any other country where it exists for decades, for example, uh, they want to laugh. Yeah. But they're uncomfortable being the only ones laughing 
in a room full of silent people. Yeah. So this is the problem because laughter is also such a social viral thing. It's like spreads. So unless you build up on that, you never, you have to ignite the room to have the, the flame, you know. The, yeah. So I think the, the problem that we have occasionally is that audiences, so as you mentioned, they don't understand the language itself. Yeah. Sometimes they don't understand the culture, the of, culture comedy. of comedy. And sometimes what I've also noticed both as a host and a performer is that sometimes, as you also rightfully said, sometimes the jokes just don't match the room. Yeah. So if we have a room full of girls, for example, mm-hmm. uh, girls, especially here in Russia, girls really, really, really don't appreciate any kind of, I would say, blue humor or like edgy jokes or anything. So don't talk mm. about anything like pornography, anything about like... Uh, feminism anything about like domestic abuse anything about things like rape abortions god forbid you know some taboo topics no they just immediately yeah. frown at this even, and be even, like, even when coming from a female comedian sometimes you can see them giving the look of like what are you doing how can you talk about that yeah like that's just, very unladylike they just they just feel disgusted by such topics and like yeah. you know like you can see they're visibly cringing at some words that people use i mean i'm not saying that's all you know all Russian girls that come to stand up are like this. I'm talking about some kind of, let's say, right, mm. uh, average average attendee. And also a type of audience member od- that I really don't enjoy <laughs> is a young couple. This oh. is, to me, this is a, this is a stand-up killer. A okay, no, no, wait, do you mean young couple as in they've only been going out for a short period of time or are you talking young as in age? I'm talking young as in, young as in age uh-huh. and both, actually both, oh. because I think that combination is the worst. Because when there is, let's say, a married couple in their 40s or 50s. Because they can't stop touching each other, finger-banging each other, shit like that? No, that's not. I don't know what kind of shows you're going to. I think you're going to very different shows than me. You're going to some kind of sex party. But is that what I've been hosting? Shit. That's yeah, and then you're wondering why your jokes don't land. Um, like, Excuse me, sir. I'm busy fingering this woman. No, no, no. I mean, uh, I mean. Uh, okay, let me explain. You got a mental image, you sick freak. I, yeah, I'm just trying to work through work through this image in my mind. But yeah, let her finish. Let her finish. Then continue with your thought. So what I was trying to say is that when we have a, let's say, a married couple in their 50s, so they've been married for 20 years and they're comfortable, fully comfortable with each other. So first of all, they're not ashamed of enjoying a joke or something like this. And they're also kind of like they're two friends, you know, because they're married couple and so on. But when it's a young couple, young in both age and the relationship Mm. so first of all they're kind of all younger people here are a bit especially younger russian people are again a bit timid and they're not sure what they can laugh at and they're you know embarrassed of enjoying a good porn joke Mm -hmm. Uh, and we do many good porn jokes that's the staple of our quality of our comedy club like like a like like a absolutely expertly made kielbasa sausage oh yeah yeah, why why I think this is an issue, first of all, that factor of embarrassment, mm-hmm. but also what I see almost always is the guy is really trying to enjoy the show and laugh, and the girl is looking at him like, don't, don't you fucking dare laugh at this. Oh, it's that right. kind of like, you know, so there is a porn joke and the guy really finds it funny. He's afraid to laugh because he thinks if I laugh at this, she will know I watch porn. Therefore, I will not be kind of a, a gentleman knight in shining armor uh, guy for her anymore. Yeah. And if, But if he laughs, I see the girl looking at him like, really? You laugh at that? 
porn's funny to you, dick jokes, really, you're on that level of humor. So it's really that kind of, let's say, 21-year-old young Russian couple mm-hmm. that is a very, it's a show killer. And we had we had some shows in different venues where there would be out of, let's say, 50 people, 40 people would be young Russian couples. Well, in that case, I would say, I would say, one, that's not our problem. That's his problem. Like the boyfriend's problem. He can't, he doesn't feel comfortable laughing in front of him. That's his issue to deal with. It's like, find yourself a girlfriend who's going to be, well, who is not deluded and actually knows that people are people and that we all watch porn or, or we all like gross humor and stuff like that. Like if, uh, hey, if anything, we're a great litmus test, you know, uh, those two are not meant to be together. Obviously, you know, he's not the right guy for her and she's not the right girl for him. So all I'm saying is you're welcome for the breakup. Um, but on the other hand, that's, I uh, then, then, then I can, then I would say like, okay, so the problem is there with the audience. Okay. In that case, but then it's our job as a comedian to, as comedians, as hosts, as performers, to kind of use that or at least try to make the best out of that situation. So it would be along the lines of maybe as the host somehow cracking some jokes about maybe doing some relationships. Like, like, you don't want to admit it, but this is what we all do. You know, everyone shits, everyone pisses, everyone farts, everyone does this and that. Maybe even make some jokes about like, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, you're hiding things because that makes it relatable to them and then might make them open up a bit more and feel a bit more comfortable when you go a bit bluer or a bit more taboo and that way like that's what i'm saying it comes with experience but also comes with material like i don't have that kind of material so all of a sudden i'm like shit i will either have to avoid it and go okay everyone avoid relationship topics or porn stuff and and and, you know relationships suck or like you know my girlfriend is crazy my boyfriend's a dick get rid of that because i don't know how to soften it i don't know how to soften the young couple i don't have material for that that's the problem because even if you do have i have a lot of like relationship material Mm. but it doesn't resonate with them because they've been together for i don't know two months yeah it's not a real relationship that's what i mean we don't have two month relationship material so we don't have material that's like oh so we uh you know have you noticed in the first month of relationship it's always like this you know you don't do this we don't have that material maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should get ready if if this is a problem then maybe we should get ready for it and be like right we need to have material that aims for these trouble spots as but, but then again and this is something that we talked about in our episode where we talk about age of performers and uh, at mm. which point you should start performing and uh, you know what is the right age to do stand-up and this kind of stuff the fact is that our resident comedians are in very very big majority 30 plus mm. and at this point mostly married or in a stable long-term relationship and even some of them with children and uh, for example yesterday we had a comedian mm. who set out of his 10 minutes i would say a good like seven six seven minutes were about his wife and his kid yeah and this is really good material and i've seen this material many times and this is these are good jokes yeah but yesterday they just didn't work and i tried young audience then i tried my i tried i was curious Mm. so i tried my material about having children and how i'm not ready and why i'm not ready and so on so i usually premise this joke with a question clap if you're a parent there was one person in the room Mm. we had 40 plus people one person was a parent and that's just it so how did your material go my material these yeah. jokes they're kind of in general about kids nowadays so they're not about 
you know, being a, being a father because I'm not a father. So, but just to understand the room, I asked that question. Yeah, but how did it, how did it, oh, but did you do that material? Which material? The one about not wanting to have kids and so Yeah, like. yeah, I did that material. Yeah, and how did it go down? It also didn't go, it, it went okay, mm. but I can't say that I got laughs of the whole room because I think there were people who were at that point that they're not a parent now, mm. but they are maybe kind of the right age to be parents or the people that get pressured by their let's say parents or relatives in or russia something. that's what 25 years old 19 but uh, <laughs> yeah. but i Jesus. mean there were also uh, there was also a big group of people that was obviously under 25 under 22 i would say yeah. who is not even thinking about those kind of things so they can in no way relate to a joke like you know i'm not ready to be a parent because they're thinking I'm not ready to own a Tamagotchi. Like, I don't know what the what the fuck is going on. Like, I'm not ready to be Dude, an adult. They, they don't know what a Tamagotchi is. Yeah, that's why they're not ready. So they <laughs> wouldn't even know where to start, like, with, with taking care I'm of I'm pretty sure even there's some pet. listeners right now going, what the fuck is a Tamagotchi? What? A Tamagotchi? knows that. You know What's what a, a Gotchi? You know what a Tamagotchi is. I know what a Tamagotchi is. So I'm pretty sure, like, okay, or Furby or something like this, you know? Like, wow, do you want to go further back here? Like, yeah, geez, I don't know. What, it, what else was a virtual what you pet? Make, what, what, an Etch-A-Sketch? Is that your next thing? That's is not, that what you're going to bring? That's not a pet. Or, oh, or, or, hula hoop. That's right. Let's go back to the hula hoop. Yeah, because every good parent needs to know what a hula hoop is. But, yeah, I mean, and also hula hoop is still very much a thing. I don't know in what kind of world do you live in. But <laughs> people still hula hoop. But... But uh, yeah, now now you completely threw me off with your uh, with your toys from the nineties. Nineties toys from the sixties. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that was like hula hoops was like the fifties. Anyways, yeah. So what I wanted to say is that simply, simply there was this kind of gap between, but but also not really because we yesterday uh, we also had comics and on the same show mm -hmm. who were doing very very kind of I'm a young person I'm a millennial or whatever gen. Which gen are they now? Gen Z, Gen something? Yeah, Z. Uh, so Millennial Z, but there's one after that, I think. Yeah, that one, the new, the TikTokers, that yeah. generation, generation TikTok. Yep. So that, you know, kind of, I'm young and confused and I fit nowhere and no one loves me and I will look at a lot of dank memes online, that kind of generation. And they still didn't relate and laugh to any of that material either. Like, yeah. which was, you know, with us in our particular case, Sometimes you can obviously blame it on the audience if they simply don't understand the language yeah. or if you see immediately that they kind of don't know what stand-up is. But do you think, because if, you know, the, the general rule of anything in life is if you stick and if you throw enough shit, something will stick, mm -hmm. right? But I'm sure you've had the shows because I've had the shows when you throw everything you have, yeah. everything you have and nothing sticks. Yeah. Like what to do? Is there any way to save that kind of show? Is there something we're doing wrong? What do you think? What is the actual, what's the mistake? Who's to blame? Who's to blame? God, in that case, I think everybody, I think everyone's letting everyone down. What to do? I would say laugh at it. Just laugh at it. And if anything, sometimes it might even be good to acknowledge it. Uh, I think it might be good to reset the clock. You might have to do a reset in a way. And that might be first by acknowledging and going, oh, wow, you know, we're not really doing that well tonight, are we? You know, ladies and gentlemen, like, geez, like you guys aren't finding it funny. You know, did did anybody have like a relative die or something or da da da? And then, you know, trying to kind of loosen it up, but acknowledging the fact that, look, we're not having a great time. I'm sorry, it's you're like, your way, of, your way of dealing with a show that's not working already is bringing up someone's recently <laughs> died relative. Well, yeah, maybe. Keep uh, it light, yeah. Keep it <laughs> keep light. It light. Keep it light. Uh, 
You know, just 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 one dead relative. Don't bring up two. That's that's a bit overkill. So, or the puppy. This is what I mean. Like, you, you've got to kind of, I think you have to reset the clock. You have to acknowledge that it's not going that great. And I've seen some people, like, you know, when they kind of, once you admit that, yeah, it's not going that great, the audience actually, I've seen them do that kind of that relief laugh. Like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay, so it's not just me. Like, we're all feeling awkward. I think you need to somehow break that tension. How? God knows. That's this is where experience comes in. You know, I would probably just try to acknowledge it. But where where do I go with that? What's the next step? How do I acknowledge it? I'm not even sure. I think it would be very hit and miss, and uh, I think it would be a bit of a failure in and of itself. But it, I might get something good out of it, and then from that, it's like okay, so that's how I can break it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. So have you had those shows where you kind of the show finished and you were playing some let's say not like an open mic or not even a show with i don't know four six ten different comics so you know you have very little share of responsibility for that show but when you were a host or a headliner or something like this and it just didn't go well and after the show you think to yourself would be better if i just stayed at home like i could yeah. have, i could have just watched youtube like you know and, and netflix, netflix netflix like, or i could have finished that last app yeah i could have like met my friends or anything basically except waste my time here because i now just feel a bit disappointed a bit bitter a bit like angry at myself or yeah. angry at them or i'm not sure like now, are you talking about a whole night where the whole night was dead or just your bit is dead well i would say when it's when it's just your bit yeah then i think it's very easy to yeah, yeah. to understand mm, who, i suck whose whose fault it was wait everyone else killed everyone was hilarious the audience loved it but for some reason they didn't laugh at me Whose fault was that? I think it's... Damn you, host. <laughs> yeah, damn you, host. The temperature was so... And that girl with the crossed arms in the front row. Yeah. Bitch. I mean, in that in that case, I think it's <laughs> it's very obvious who's, <laughs> whose fault was that. But I mean... You'd think. You'd well, think. I, I've, I've heard comedians still not want to admit, like, in denial. And you just feel like, man, the crowd sucks. And you're just sitting there thinking, really, dude? Because they're loving me. They love that guy. They love that girl. What the hell? <laughs> well, I mean, in that case, yeah, there are some people who don't want to admit it to themselves and also there can be a situation where i've had this where for example the show is going great and then the mm -hmm. comedian before me or the host before me kills it just die just does a very kind of weird or cringy or something out of place comment or yeah. a joke or something you know and then i go on and that whole atmosphere that existed is suddenly kind of flat it's suddenly dead yeah and then if you go out strong, you can pick it back up, but it's it's a, it's a work. You have to do work yeah, again. Yeah, I mean, in that pace, uh, then your job changes. It's now you're no longer doing your bit. You're now helping the club get the audience back on track. You're you're then basically like, oh, I'm the doctor. Yeah, like, so I'm not. You're the, fixing a problem. But yeah. let's say that. So it's not only you who didn't do well. In that case, I think it's pretty obvious whose mm -hmm. fault it is. But let's say the whole show didn't do well. But you as a either host or a headliner or something, maybe an opener, like, you know, you oh, yeah, yeah. hopefully no. could have contributed to the quality and the atmosphere of that show. So that show finishes. You understand that. You feel like crap. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a waste was, of time. Yeah. Useless. Then what? Well, I then have to remind myself. No, it wasn't. Like, it's not useless. Everything is an experience. It's a learning curve. You, you have to have those bad shows. You can't have every single show go brilliantly. You try to figure out, okay, why did it suck? Was it the audience just didn't know English? Then in that case, it's like, well, are there other bits I could have done? Could I have changed it and done something that's more 
relatable to them. Like they're people who are learning English, in which case I would probably look at myself and go, yeah, I should have done the mistakes that my students have made bits. Like, you know, English language bits, you know, things that they could at least hopefully relate to, even if their English wasn't that good. For example, if that was the point, you know, hey, you know, uh, I noticed that a lot of, you know, well, as a lot of my students have made this mistake and they can sit there and go, oh, yeah, I make that mistake. Or, oh, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. Or that's a mistake. I didn't know. Oh, my God. Is that how it sounds? Like, you know what I mean? Like you try to wait. I think it's not a waste of time. I think doing that is sort of defeatist. It's, it's, it's like anything, you know, you learn from your mistakes, but if you never analyze your mistakes, you're never going to learn from it. You know what I mean? It's, but then it is a waste. It, you're, the only one who's wasting that moment is you. If you um, don't learn anything from it. Well, if you, well, yeah, if you don't try at least. Maybe it's just another lesson you've already learned 20 times and you go, damn it, you know, that was just it. But would you, the, the question I think that I was getting at is, would you blame yourself? If the whole show was shit, no, I wouldn't blame myself. But at the same time, I'm, I would start thinking, okay, what could I have done to at least try to help out that situation? You know, should it have been a case of, and sometimes I wonder whether, because, you know, a lot of times when we're hosting, for example, we host, we get up, we have our line of comedians. All the comedian really cares about is who was the comedian before them so they can get ready. Right. And then they either watch the sets or they look at their bits. Right. And they memorize their bits and they're trying to practice them before they have to get up on stage. The problem is that sometimes like if the show is dying, none of no comedian. I, I don't know if there's really that many comedians who would be willing to switch their sets that they were planning on doing in order to do something to instead help out. You know what I mean? It's like, look, guys, we are crashing. Me as the host, I'm trying my best to do what I can, but I can't. Like, I'm having troubles. Whoever's next, like, you know, you, for example, like, you know, if you're next, it's like, Eagle, I'm, I am dying here. I know you wanted to do your bit about the potato in the supermarket and all that sort of thing. My favorite bit. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, that is not working. Is there any other bit you think that might work better for tonight? Or do you think that would be good enough? And then you might go, uh, actually, considering it is a bunch of 20-year-olds who are, looks like they're in startup relationships, <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, I can do some of my relationship stuff instead. Let's see if we can get it back on track. And that kind of like everyone helping to get the show back, I don't think we're there yet. Or at least maybe it's just something I'm thinking of right now. Maybe that's what needs I, to be done but maybe not maybe it shouldn't be that way and it's the host's responsibility i don't know what do you reckon i mean that's something that only very versatile experienced comics can do that if yeah. you like ask them two minutes before they go on stage so listen the room is not very receptive to i don't know jokes about relationships or yeah. anything like this change your set to fit the room right and that yeah, they yeah. can go okay my first four jokes i will replace with these other four jokes that are also yeah. good jokes and that work yeah. So, you know, you have to have a lot of material and you have to have that flexibility that you can rewrite your set and, and go with the flow in yeah. that final moment. I, I've done this a million times. I've, I've kind of came with an idea of doing one set, one, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. I peaked at the room. I was like, nope, they're not going to, this is not going to work. Yeah. And I went with a completely different material set maybe not two three minutes before coming out on stage but like i don't know 20 minutes before the show started when i came and i yeah. observed and analyzed the room but i have definitely done it but i know some people who they just come with their new 10 or tight 10 that's yeah. their club set doesn't matter the room they're going to do that do that club set we have some comics that have for example their punchlines are mostly in russian so there is some confusion mm -hmm. with the language something like this so their punchline is in russian if the whole room is russian 
it kills. If the half of the room is foreign, it, bo it bombs. Yeah. But either or, they will come with that set. So they, yeah. it's not. Well, this is what I mean. Maybe because we don't have hours and hours of material at this point, you know, that sort of thing. It's hard to switch. I also hear like a lot of with Americans when, when listening to certain podcasts where, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like they work in smaller bits. So they have lots of little bits. And then what they can do is when they arrive at a club, they're like, okay, I've got like these 50, throughout my career, I've built up these 50 different bits. I, they can look out into the crowd and go, right, this bit, then this bit, and then I'm going to do this bit, and then I'm going to do that bit. And pretty much it's their set list. And that's what they'll write on their hand and just go with that. You know what I mean? So maybe that's sort of like the versatility is that we don't have that. I mean, I know for me, it's very difficult because I do mainly stories or like whole bits so when i do it to kind of like oh can you switch that up it's like oh man i've just spent the week like brainstorming this coming up with it now you want me to do and if it's an old classic bit then yeah i can but even then i have to quickly like re-watch it on youtube on my youtube channel mr aramis bungle and uh it's <laughs> fine i'll link your youtube channel under every video under <laughs> sorry every episode david they all Actually, know yeah but the point is like i might have to like quickly re-watch it to remember what some of the punchlines are or where i go with me because oh right yeah, yeah yeah that bit that bit and then you know that's yeah sometimes that i can do but not always yeah i think it depends so yeah i think it, it requires a certain to actually work every room you know yeah. it requires a certain level of experience professionalism yep and flexibility flexibility and versatility or whatever and to be able and to material yeah and amount of material yeah. but i can say that like I mean, since I started doing comedy, I know that some for some of our comics uh, that I see, it really, really, really it weighs on them, weighs yeah, heavy. Yeah, is that some, what you're trying to say? Yeah, exactly. So like uh, plays on their mind, like yeah, really yeah, yeah. bothers them. Yeah. So for some of our comics, I've noticed that it really bothers them when they don't do well, yeah. especially when they're the only one that hasn't done well, but also when the show, whole show hasn't done well, and they really have this like bitter aftertaste, you know, uh, yeah. after coming off stage. And I know they spent like the next. Few few days or even few weeks not showing up for shows and rethinking that material and so on i've never ever ever since i started doing even on like open mics where i do i don't know five minutes of new material no one laughs or whatever i would i never blame myself because it's always you know i i tried this that's yeah. it and i know some specific for example cases last year before the whole pandemic thing uh, last time we managed to do a tour like a tour abroad mm -hmm. so we did uh, if I'm not mistaken, 11 shows in 12 days, so in 14 days, something like this, mostly around Northern Europe, Scandinavia. So basically, we went traveling with the same show. It was three comics, a show about kind of life in Russia, yeah. and we took it to different uh, cities, different venues in Northern Europe, right? So at one of those places, it was a Tuesday or Wednesday evening, small student city in Sweden, mm -hmm. uh, middle of winter, and a venue that is like a mix between a gastro pub and a restaurant. So kind of a uh. venue where you would go to have some dinner or maybe like watch football or something. Definitely not stand up. So it was too bright. The, the layout was like very poor for stand up. There was no stage. Yeah. There was no spotlights, anything. There was a microphone that was very kind of quiet. So you could barely hear, hear it like behind first two front rows, etc., etc. Many factors that just... So it was exactly the sh same show we've yeah. done all those 12 days, exactly the same lineup, the same jokes, the same energy. In all of those places, it was a hit. People loved it. I mean, again, without, you know, 
bragging or something. People just liked it. It was a good show. I, I consider it a good show and that's why I'm confident enough to, you know, charge people for it and to go and do such tours. Yeah. But in this one place, it just was nothing. It was just hour and a half of us it was like a TED talk. It was <laughs> us just talking and people just listening and nodding. Like, I think if we got like one laugh each during our 25, 30 minute sets, if I remember, like that's, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Like by <laughs> saying we got one laugh each. It the was just, voice in your head going three laughs in total. You bullshit. Killed you it. No, you yeah. didn't, Eagle. You know you didn't. So, yeah, I mean, we got some laughs. We got some chuckles. But compared yeah. to the other, all other shows, it was very underwhelming. Yeah. But, I mean... It's an experience, we, though. Yeah, it's an experience. And, like, after that show, we sat down and we took a long walk, three of us, and we discussed, like, are we now tired? Are we exhausted? Is it, you know, what, what's the what's the problem? Did we not, you know, deliver and so on? But then at the end of the day, the next day, we were even more tired and, and more, I don't know, exhausted, and etc. And it was, again, another small, cold, northern Swedish city. And the show killed. So yeah. the only kind of difference the only variable that changed was the audience and oh, the venue very... as well like you just described the venue yeah, as the... being overly lit bad microphone yeah yeah true i mean the venue the venue as well but i've performed over my last like six years in way worse worse venues as well where they would be like again bright day bright beautiful day outside sometimes no microphone we had shows with no like sound system or something yeah. like this so you know sometimes uh, that's better than a weak microphone though. yeah yeah so it's just basically the room was just the the audience was yeah. just not ready for that show i can't say it was a bad audience you know yeah, there yeah. is definitely something if it was if if there was some famous swedish comic maybe performing they would be dying of laughter i don't know but yeah. it just wasn't we were just not the right show for that audience yeah, and, yeah. but that, that was definitely on the audience because the show is a good show mm -hmm. so you know like you can sometimes you can say okay it was my fault if you're again the only one in the lineup that did badly so you can say okay obviously it was me sometimes if it was the only audience that didn't laugh you can say okay it was the audience overall i think in our situation here in moscow the best we can hope for is that they can understand us yeah. and they understand what stand-up is and that if push comes to shove we pull out the big guns and do the heavy hitting jokes about like, oh, this is how it is to be a foreigner in Russia. This is the uh, mistake I made when learning Russian. This is me uh, buying what, a towel. Yeah, yeah. This Watch is what my happened. dance. Yeah, and be very physical like yeah. you are, or yeah. kind of be well, very charming like I am. So you know, this <laughs> is yeah, the, yeah, yeah. we we should all play our strengths. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. But I think undeniably there will be shows that just won't be that good. In which case, just go with the flow, roll with the punches, take it in stride and try to learn from it if you can. Even even if the lesson you learned was that that was just an audience that had no clue what I was doing or like they, their English wasn't good enough. Okay, fair enough. That's what you learned. I would say like uh, it's, it's kind of the thing with, uh, I guess, trains, Tinder matches and stand-up shows. There's always next one. Yeah. Yeah. Only when it's like five in a row that truly suck. Really start analyzing. Like, analyze, really, yeah, yeah. analyze change, it. Yeah. Change something. Yeah, change yeah, something. Yeah, try something different. Just try it. Just try it. Whatever. Yeah. Same goes for trains and uh, Tinder matches. If you're not getting any, yeah. try something different. Yeah. Maybe, maybe use a bus or, uh, yeah. yeah. Or grinder. Or grinder. Yeah. yeah. Try something different. Try it different. Yeah. All right. So thank you very much for listening. Social media now. We have it. Woohoo. 
So really, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. I believe you can now also find us on YouTube. You can find us on, on YouTube. Yeah. You can find us on YouTube if you yeah. want to if you want to listen to this exact episode, but with a small visual representation. Yeah, exactly. That. So, but the main thing is the social media. You can leave comments on all these things, and we would love it. We really would love to hear back from you guys. Whether you're enjoying it, whether you're not enjoying it, what things you would like to improve, maybe criticisms. We're really open about it, and we'd appreciate any feedback on how to improve the show. Maybe there's a segment or something you'd like, or maybe you're like, I want you to do this more. Can you tell us more about this? Because we're constantly analyzing ourselves you know we can't tell what we're doing great or not because there's no audience here so if you want to hear more about us in russia then please tell us we want to hear about more what it's like for you guys in russia if you want to say can you make it more global then we make it more global. you say we want to we want you to give more examples okay then we can give more examples so whatever you want leave a comment and we'll try to incorporate it and we'll see how much we how much comments we get also we have a patreon right we have a Patreon yes. as so well. So we would really appreciate if you could also give to that. Uh, Igor, of course, will put a link and everything with that. And if you cannot give to Patreon, then we say there is an alternative to giving us money, and that is sharing us. Sharing our podcast. If there's a particular episode that you listen to, and you're like, oh, my friend John would like it, or they, Michelle, would get a kick out of this, then give it to Michelle. Give it to John. Share it with them. Get them to listen. Things like that. Or just share it onto your Facebook, your Instagram, and things, and give us a heads up. That would be really greatly appreciated, because right now, the more people that hear us, the better it is. So look us up, The Comedy Kiosk, on all these social networks. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Igor Monday. And I'm David Minos. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Goodbye. I said night again. Should we just do that last bit again? No. Okay. Let them know we're recording in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two in the morning.